CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition, the October, I guess, first edition. We're right here in the beginning of the month with Don Cash and myself here on Your Money and Your Life. What's going on, my friend? How are you doing this go-round? Mark, doing well. And uh, yeah, you said October 1st. Fall is officially here, right? Fall, it started, yeah. I don't know, about a week or so ago. But I'll tell you, the weather has changed dramatically. It seemed like right after Labor Day, like a switch went off. So <laughs> at least here in New Jersey, how's everything in uh, in steamy or f- maybe formerly steamy North Carolina? Yeah, it, we, we were pretty steamy, but we we kind of had that switch too. It's been uh, it's been low 70s, uh, even, even upper 60s for about a week or so, which is a little unusual for us. So we typically get the, we typically stay in the upper 80s all through, through the first couple of weeks of October, but not this go around. So we'll see. Uh, how about yourself? Obviously, you know, summer's winded down. Did you get all your summer activities accomplished? You know, uh, yeah, for the most part, I would say it was actually, you know, dare I say, fairly normal, Mark, in terms of <laughs> right. uh, summer activities with going to the beach and the pool and doing things with uh, the family, lots of family activities. But, you know, actually, you know, one of my summer goals this year mm-hmm. was, it sounds it might sound weird, but to acquire my New Jersey boater's license. So I just finished that. So are, are you a boater, Mark? I actually have a boat, yes. So you know, here in New Jersey, uh, you have to take a six-hour boating safety course. Hmm. That's the way it goes. It's online, right? Yeah, I think we so, had to do something like that. It's been a while. I can't remember. Yeah. But it's legit six hours. So wow. then you have to uh, do this online course, take tests along the way. Then subsequent to that, you have to pass a written test like huh. at a an actual testing site oh yeah no we there's a do bunch that. of them all over the state so it's kind of a weird experience i did it sunday uh-huh. uh, you know but you know like what is not weird nowadays right so <laughs> right <laughs> it was actually very good i'll tell you know you had, there was a, a drive-through they call it testing center consider you know think of like going to the dmv and taking your driver's test right but this test in particular they gave you a written test and you sat in your car one space away from all the other test takers and uh, completed the test and they scanned it right there on the spot. And uh, fortunately I passed. And uh, so now, you know, I have confidence that I could take my family and friends out on a boat and, uh, and do it safely. But, you know, ironically, when I was uh, concluded this, I said to my wife, you know, we've been to Florida for many, many years with the family and they're much more lenient on allowing you to take out a boat you know, right. typically a pontoon boat or a small fishing boat. And I was thinking uh, and mentioning to Kathy, I said, what were they thinking letting me drive a boat? I mean, after the six-hour safety course, I, I said to myself, there were so many things I didn't know. And, uh, you know, now I feel like, uh, like I said, I'm a lot more confident in in basic safety protocols and, right. you know, bow and stern, port, starboard, green lights, we all the things you know already. For the wake zones and the no wake zones and internet. Right, yeah. all the yeah. buoys and the channel markers and what they mean. And so it was actually a, a good experience. So I could uh, check that off of my uh, end of summer list and nice. uh, 
just in time for the winter, right? Which I just can't, I can't actually do any boating. No, I'm assuming this is a power boat, right? So like probably like a fish and ski type thing, right? Yeah. Like if I wanted to rent one of these um, these flat pontoon boats, take gotcha. the family okay. out on the river. Well, it's kind of interesting. Do. It's a nice segue, actually, and an odd segue, but a nice segue into our topic today, which we're going to talk about lessons in electionomics. But every state is different, and I know that that's part of some of that we're, we're going to discuss. So, uh, in different states, you know, New Jersey was a little bit more strict than North Carolina, which was a little bit more strict than Florida. It's sounded like. So every state's got a little bit of difference. So let's just jump in and start talking about this a little bit. That's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We're taping this right before we launch this podcast. So we just got our first sample of the debates uh, last night. So that was certainly interesting. And we've talked a little bit on the last couple of shows, Don, about uh, what might or might not happen with the election. What should investors, retirees, and, and soon-to-be retired folks be doing at this time with just a little less than a month to go before the big day, or right at a month, I guess? Yeah, you know, certainly, I think this is probably the number one question that I'm getting by far, uh, and no doubt it's on everyone's mind, right? I'm sure the the ratings were pretty high for uh, debate <laughs> yeah. um, recently. Super Bowl and, numbers, I think. Right, yeah. You know, there's no sports with fans in the stands, so there were some people there, so it, uh, I guess it qualifies as an event, right? Yeah. So the bottom line is, you know, my advice is to not make any specific investment decisions based on uh, election predictions and, and clients already know that I'm going to offer that advice, but you know, often they want a confirmation on, on the rationale why, and you know, many people I'm meeting that are not yet clients, uh, the public and, and, and those who are prospective clients ask this question all the time. But in terms of the, the rationale as to, you know, why I say that, you know, here's why, here's my three assertions. One, no one knows who's going to win, right. Or what the effect of that's going to be Two. You know, historically, markets don't go up or down based on if a Republican or a Democrat is in the White House. And that comes as a surprise to many people. And the third is that most people really just don't understand why it doesn't matter, right, if a Republican or a Democrat as a president is in the White House. And it has to do with the Constitution and the balance of power. Well, we'll get into some of that. And and let's start with that first piece that you brought up. Uh, Let me challenge you a little bit. You know, the the polls have been showing, and of course, you can take what you want from polls, but that Biden is up a little bit with just about a month to go. So, you know, make of that what you will. What do you think? Yeah. You know, when you look at the polls and and they're, like you said, they're in a certain range and, you know, a lot of people feel that those are, you know, pretty solid numbers a month out. But, you know, of course, you know, the question is, what effect is that going to have the election on economy, right? Jobs, regulation, stock market, you know, et cetera, and so many other factors and job reports coming out soon. And, you know, we all think that the virus case numbers right, or the vaccines or treatment, the Supreme Court pick job numbers are going to be the things that are going to decide who wins. But the reality is that there are things that are likely to come up in the next couple of weeks that nobody even knows that could be the deciding factor. I'll give you a prime example. You know, think back to just the last election, Mark. It was just before Election Day mm-hmm, right. when President Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. And what happened just a few weeks from Election Day that tipped the outcome? At the time, she enjoyed a solid lead, you know, much like we're uh, looking at now. Do you remember what happened at that time? Oh, there's so much going on. I can't remember. Was that the email thing? Yeah, you got it. I mean, okay. you're right. You're right on. We had the swirling controversy about Hillary Clinton's 
so-called misuse mm-hmm, right. uh, of emails for months and months prior to that. And the FBI had launched this investigation uh, earlier in the year. The issue was supposedly a closed case in, in July in the summer of 2016 when then FBI chief James Comey made a very public statement that basically exonerated her from any serious charges. And then, lo and behold, end of October, just a week or or so before the election, the FBI reopens a surprise investigation into her email use, gets a warrant to look at her assistant's laptop. And the thing was, her assistant was actually married to Congressman Anthony Weiner, who was sending illicit lewd pictures of himself to underage girls, oh, right? Yeah, that guy, yeah. And using a laptop. So, you know, two days before the election, you know, James Comey says, uh, nothing to see here, right? But it was too late, damage done, and, and Trump wins. So, you know, really, did anyone see that one coming a month before the election? Yeah, and I suppose, like any election, they're always slinging dirt, right? So you never really know what's going to stick, or even if it has any real bearing or not. It's one of those things that you can kind of point back and say, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But yeah, to your point, you never know what's going to come up within the last 30 days. Yeah, and even so, you know, to my other assertion, then even on the evening of the election, right, after it was concluded, that Trump had won the Electoral College. The market was down a thousand points in preparation for what they call the opening bell. And the thinking was, oh no, sell, sell, sell. The market's going to crash. The international markets are going to tank because Trump wants tariffs and supports Brexit. (laughs) Anyone remember Brexit? That was the, the fiasco of 2016. And even earlier in this year, it was a big issue. But what happens in after President Trump took office. What happens in 2017? Pretty good run. Pretty, Pretty good, run. good run. Yeah, you got it. That's right. The market is way up, right? Over 20% here in the U.S. and even more overseas. Just the opposite, right, of what was expected. So that's only one election. The same thing happened if we go back to 2012 when President Obama was reelected. People were saying, oh, that's going to be a disaster if he's going to be reelected. The next year, market's up over 30%. Go back the prior election to 2008, right? It was smack in the middle of the financial crisis. John McCain, who was running against President Obama at that time, announces that he's going to suspend his campaign, suggesting that the debate with President Obama be canceled. Can you imagine that? So he could deal with this bailout package. And he explained, of course, that um, he he referred to 9-11, patriotism, trying to quell the partisan divisions that are preventing us from addressing our national challenges. And, you know, it looked like a sound strategy at that time, but it totally backfired. Uh, President or then Senator Obama won. What happens the next year, Mark? The market is up 26%. So, you know, uh, just these are only uh, examples of the prior three elections. Yeah. You know, I read something not too long ago that said if you look at the best uh, S&P markets uh, over the last 50 years, the top four were two Republican, two Democrat. 
uh, you know, or two Democrat, two Republican, I forget how it laid out, but either way, it was split right down the middle. But it gets back to what you say all the time. You know, the markets react to news. News is unpredictable. So therefore, the market's unpredictable. And I can buy that. And I think most people do. Uh, but are you saying that it also doesn't matter which one is in the White House? Yeah, I mean, to your point, you mentioned that uh, you know the the past uh, was it two or four presidents? Uh, yeah, it was two Democrats and two Republicans uh, that were at the top performing markets over the last fifty years. I think one of them was Eisenhower, actually. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you know what I'm saying really is, uh, Mark, that the president doesn't control the market, or in many respect, control the economy for that matter. Right. There are dynamics and and forces and you know hundreds of millions of investors all over the world and you know and, and of course 330 million people here and forces that are well beyond the control of any one person mm-hmm. you know ironically there's often a paradox between the economy right you know right. we're talking about jobs and consumer confidence and you know even uh, I, I read in the paper today the consumer confidence in in September is skyrocketing right so hmm. you know is that going to lead to uh, more jobs and and uh, right now we have uh, increasing household debt. So we have a paradox between the economy and the stock market. And there are times when we have terrible unemployment, right? Like we had in 2009. And as I mentioned before, the stock market goes way up. So unfortunately, there are times when there's real pain and suffering with individuals in the economy, yet investors who are disciplined and patient do quite well. I mean, it, it's sad, but true. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned uh, only four presidents of, of each party, but I have a presentation, Mark, that shows presidential elections, get this, going back over the past 100 years, okay. and that if the president is a Democrat or a Republican, the stock market is pretty much a steady march forward. So from FDR, right, that was in 1933, to President Trump, get this, every administration enjoyed an increase in the stock market value from the start of their administration. <laughs> Even FDR during the Depression you know, and World War II, and keep wow. in mind, he, he actually won uh, four terms, so that's right, a, right. You know, certainly a bit of an outlier. It didn't, he only served very little into his fourth term. But the only exception here over the past almost 100 years is actually President Nixon. Okay. And it, w- it wasn't Watergate that did him in, Mark. It was the Arab oil embargo <laughs> <laughs> right. and inflation. So, those of us who are old enough to remember 1973 and 1974, and of course, if we're here in New Jersey and New York, we think of 1973 as the year that the Mets got into the World Series, but it was also a terrible year. Long gas lines, right? Long gas lines, right? So the key to getting through Mark successfully is being diversified, disciplined, and following the rules of investing. And it's don't panic, don't get greedy, right? Rebalance systematically and and simply focus on what you can control. Can't control the elections, right? There are only two things that we can control, really is what we say and what we do at any given time. I mean, we can't even control our, our feelings and our thoughts, right? I mean, there's millions of feelings and thoughts that are running through our heads. So we're all sucked in to this media hysteria that distorts our emotional state. So we have to be sure that we're focused on 
our true purpose for our money. And, and look, I'm not saying that things won't get choppy in the near future. What I'm saying is that don't focus on what you can't control. You can't control the election. And if you think you can you know, sell out and get back in when things are <laughs> quote unquote normal, right? You've heard that, Mark? Oh, yeah. Right. Remember, you have to be right twice, right? Once when you sell and then once when you buy and get back in. Yeah, that's for sure. That's really inf- uh, cool and inf- interesting information. I always love doing these podcasts with you. I always learn something new. So why do you think that uh, we see this pattern of the economy and the stock market working independent of who the president is? You know, it, it's a great question, Mark, and it gets back to my third assertion. Okay. So, you know, first, a, a little history lesson. One, people are just, I think, starting to realize this. The president is a constitutionally weak position, right? Number two, the Senate and the Congress have a lot of power, too. We know that. And really, you know, when it comes down to the reality, Mark, we have 50 presidents in this country. <laughs> we call them governors, right? Yeah. They have the real power, right? You had referenced the voting test and yeah. how it's different in North Carolina and mm-hmm. Florida, New Jersey. We're learning this lesson really vividly over oh, the yeah. past six months. Oh, right? yeah. Every, every state's different. Uh, we're still actually, you know, we're still under different parts of lockdowns versus other states. So, yeah, everybody's different here, you know, eight months later. Right. And, you know, even last week in Florida, they announced, uh, uh, you know, a Wide full open, release right? from yeah. all of, uh, of, of the lockdown measures. And in New York City, I think they're opening indoor dining today mm, okay. for the first time in, in a limited basis. So people ask why don't we have a national response to coronavirus, right? Or riots or protests, or why can't we have a national electronic voting system right after what happened in year 2000 with President Bush versus Al Gore? You know, the answer is the Constitution, Mark. The president has limited power, and it was designed intentionally that way by our founding fathers. So we know the president signs bills into law. He's, of course, the commander in chief of the military and has influence over trade and tariff, along with a a bunch of other executive functions. The Constitution gives vast powers to the states and and the governors are a type of uh, dictator, if you will, to their own states. I mean, here in New Jersey, we have uh, Governor uh, Phil Murphy. and, And the reality is, Mark, most people never even heard of him. They know they didn't even know who he was before March. Hmm. I'm not sure who, who's your governor in North Carolina. Uh, Cooper, yeah, and uh, he's he's uh, been making some waves. Obviously, going back and forth uh, with Trump based on the was the convention and various different things. But yeah, so you know everything from masks and social distancing, fines, restrictions on business, and even voting. Mm-hmm. They're all controlled by governors and states. Yep. So the Constitution you know, basically sets Election Day as the first Tuesday after the first Monday right after, in November, but pretty much everything else is left to the states. In fact, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, and I didn't you know, until I was an adult, Mark, up until the year 1913, the states, the state legislatures actually chose the, the two U.S. senators for each state. The people <laughs> did not even vote for their own senators. Wow. Interesting. So this sets up a really kind of a messy situation for November. And that's what a lot of, I think a lot of people are are concerned about. We have mail-in ballots and absentee ballots, in-person voting. And this was an issue they were talking about in 
in the debate. I'm sure it's going to be a, an issue going forward. Many market pundits are worried about not knowing who the, the president or Congress will be on November 3rd. But, you know, keep in mind, we're also electing 435 congressmen and one third of the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've been through this before. And I referenced before President Bush and Vice President Al Gore and all these counting ballots by hand in Florida 20 years ago. So we just need to have an answer by January 20th. And But keep in mind, planning and investing, it's a long-term process, right? Getting caught up in this does nothing but cause a lot of stress. And I always share with people, if you were born in the 1940s or 50s or 60s, you've been through a heck of a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So Cold War and nuclear war threats and presidential assassinations, impeachments, Vietnam War, foreign wars, uh, you know, other than Vietnam, 9-11, stock market crashes, and we've survived and we've thrived through it all, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to look at ourselves as stewards passing the mantle of liberty and, and our values to the next generation. And the gift that we can give the next generation, Mark, is I think resiliency and perspective. You know, we've been through these things and we need to keep these qualities ourselves. So, you know, I, I often I'm, I'm going to sound like the captain of the flight from uh, that I took from New Jersey to Florida in the winter. And, you know, when he said, uh, we're going to be going through some turbulence, uh, <laughs> buckle, buckle in your seatbelt, uh, but we'll get through this together. And the good news is that when we land, it's sunny and 80 degrees in Florida. There you go. Nice. That's a great way to wrap up. Well, really informative podcast this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it. If you picked up a useful nugget or two and you've got some questions, as always, reach out to Don. If you want to schedule a 15-minute phone call to review your own personal situation or talk about what might be bothering you or worrying you with things coming up, call Don. Uh, you can reach out to him. You can email him at don at donaldcash.com. That's don at donaldcash.com if you want to send an email. Or you can just call 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. We always strongly encourage people, before you take any action on anything you hear on this show or any others, that you always check about how it's going to affect your specific situation with a qualified professional like Don Cash. He is a CPA and a CFP. So give him a call, 800-664-1183, or stop by the website. You can always check us out and subscribe to the podcast, Your Money and Your Life, at donaldcashpodcast.com, donaldcashpodcast.com, or just type it in, whatever app you're using. If you're an Apple fan, type in Your Money and Your Life. You'll see it pop up, and you can subscribe to it that way, or Google, or Spotify, or whatever the case might be. And with that, we're going to say goodbye this week. Don, my friend, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Always fun, always informative, and I hope you have a great week. You too, Mark. I'm getting ready to get on that boat. There you go. Go enjoy the boat while you still can. And we'll do another one of these in a couple of weeks, and we'll see how we're progressing right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.